you had a fear of being underwater, but then you go on to medal <laughs> 13 times at the U.S. Master Swimming National Championships. It's one little daily decision, moment by moment, thing at a time. There's this fear, spoken or unspoken, that if they lose their drive, they won't be able to perform anymore. Drive will eventually burn you out though. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Welcome to the show, Brian Bergford. Giving people everything they want in life is easy. All you have to do is make them realize that everything they're really after is already inside of them. That, my friend, is a quote that comes directly from you, and I couldn't love that more. Sometimes we just need to look inside of ourselves. Thank you for unlocking happiness with us today on Unlocking Happiness. Oh my gosh, we're going to unlock the heck out of this happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on, Amy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So you are an author and a peak performance coach. You help people really up-level their lives, help them find their drives, help them be more successful in life and in their careers. And you have such an incredible story to boot, which we will get into here in just a moment. But let me ask you, why did you decide to kind of get into all of this? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. And I'm going to try to keep my answer reasonably (laughs) short. I really think it started when I was a kid, to be honest with you, because I just went through some stuff as all of us do, just especially on the emotional side, without getting to specifics, it it was vastly unpleasant. And one of the things that but it's, it actually led me into wondering, like, why do people think the way that they think? What drives behavior? Mm-hmm. What influences people? How do they form beliefs? The psychology aspect of it. And so that seed was planted very, very early on by some unfortunate, quote unquote, situations that actually uh, dynamically made me who I am today. And I'm very, very grateful for. And so I, I continued with this. I ended up graduating with a degree, degree in psychology. It's interesting because I also had kind of a knack for working with and training dogs. So I went into that, built up a couple businesses in that space. And once we got those companies up to speed and had management in a place, I really wanted to come back to my first love, which is human performance. It's always inspired me looking at people at, in the upper echelons at the top of their game, whether that be Olympic athletes or whether it's just a, a parent who is masterful at what they do and watching them work. There's just a beautiful flow to it or an artist. And I, I love working with high-performing people. And so I basically started Berkford Performance Systems to have a purpose-built platform so that I could work with folks, which primarily 
I work with executives, um, you know, professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners that are athletically inclined, some of them competitive athletes, because I'm an entrepreneur who's a competitive athlete. And that group makes a lot of sense to me. We resonate really well. And I just love working with people that have some gusto, have some fire in the mm-hmm. belly. So that's that's the background. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, not only do you coach on high performance and work with high performing people, but you know, you're not shy to this yourself. You are very much a high performance person yourself. And I think you mentioned a little bit uh, on the athletic side. And I read that you had a fear of being underwater, but then here you are, you go on to, and I hope I get this right, to medal <laughs> 13 times at the U.S. Master Swimming National Championships and was featured on the cover of Swimmer Magazine. Okay, let's break this down for a moment. How do you go from having a complete fear of having your being submerged underwater to winning these national or medaling at the national championships? So when you when you put it like that, it seems like, you know, the, this big arc, and maybe it is in terms of the overall narrative, but, the, you know, the beauty of it, like anything else, is it's just, it's one little daily decision, moment by moment thing at a time. And there's some, there's some key aspects in there along the way, but I, I did have this, because I've had fears before, like I had a fear of heights, and my solution to that was, cool, I'm going to take up rock climbing, let's just tackle this with the water thing, it was a little bit different because it was a straight up panic, absolutely zero rational thought behind it, just total freak out when I had my face underwater since the time I was a kid. Like I can't even remember not having that issue. And I remember there was a seed planted in the Beijing Olympics, watching Michael Phelps do what he did there. And I was like, that's so cool. And I always get verklempt when I watch Olympic athletes, you know, just like crush it. And I guess (laughs) he's like pumped up, right? The, The strength of the human spirit and to watch something inspiring like that. And it planted this little seed that kind of germinated for a few years. And when I hit 30, I got to the point where I was just absolutely had had a belly full of my own BS and recognized this is not who I am. I'm not the type of person that allows, you know, fear. In that case, it was a phobia, which I'm grateful to my psychology background for being able to work through some of it because phobias are not something you really want to toy with typically on your own. I wouldn't recommend that to people. In my case, it happened to make sense. But yeah, so I got to this place where I was sick and tired of allowing something to control me like a fear went out, found a coach, which ironically, his name is Bob Bowman, which is Michael Phelps's coach's name. Different people, (laughs) (laughs) but kind of an interesting little thread there, right? Of course. Little thread. And I had him teach me the different competitive swim strokes and just all the while, like working through it, like one little bit at a time, one little bit at a time, one little bit at a time. And I got to the point where he, at the end of one of our sessions when you're ready to join a master's team. And I said, I didn't say anything. Actually, I probably got a little bit sick inside when he said that because that was kind of exciting, but also terrifying at the same time. So before I could change my mind and talk myself out of it, I went and joined a master's team like the next day. 
And that's how that started. And then eventually I got this crazy idea. Maybe I could compete at, you know, this aquatic, this wonderful aquatic center by our house. And I was like, wow, if, if I could envision myself maybe down there one day competing. And then that happened. And then I thought, what if one day I could qualify for nationals? And then that became the the driving force and, and the, the motive and the big goal. And then once I had done that, where I'm at now is, wouldn't it be cool to win a national championship? It, because... I've had so many people inspire me in my life by some of the things that they've done because I would look at something and be like, gosh, if that person can do that, I can do more than what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And it was very compelling for me because I wanted to maybe be that person for somebody else. Somebody else I may never even talk to. I might not even know that I inspired them to take a step, but it would be worth it to me. So that's how that all came together. That's amazing. And you say, you know, just to like take one step at a time and the trailer for this show in the beginning says, I believe life is made up of moments. We have good moments, bad moments, happy moments, sad moments. We're here to make sure that all your life moments are filled with happiness and joy. Okay. So if we break that down, you said a lot of the same things, right? It's like, you decided that those moments in your life, you didn't, they were not pleasant moments, let's say, where you had this fear. And so you made the decision that you weren't going to let those moments be fearful moments anymore. And then to tie it back to kind of what you said, just taking one step at a time. And that's exactly what you did. You just kind of took one thing and it led to the next and it led to the next and it led to the next. And what a cool story, because I think sometimes we just accept our fears or accept our phobias and say, well, that's just how I am. You know, (laughs) that's just, I just have that. So it's just how I am. Yep. And that's such a cop out. That's such a cop out. And I was doing it myself. (laughs) And that's why it was so incongruent with who I am and the type of message that I espouse, right? I'm like, I'm not living up to that. And this is a bunch of BS. And so I just, I didn't want to be in that place anymore. I wanted to take whatever came along at any given moment and turn it somehow into a reason to take another step forward, right? It's not like, let's see what shows up today. And then that's going to determine my direction. Like, nope, I have my direction, whatever comes along, I'm going to be really good at things like emotional alchemy to transform that into something that can be fuel, whether in the short term, long term, whatever, but whatever comes up, whatever pops up, I'm going to use it. I like to tell people if adversity comes into your life or fear or whatever, make it pay for being there. It's not living in my space rent free, Mm. not a stinking chance. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I don't have any like deep phobias, my only phobia, but you've already made me think differently. And I always say people who make others think differently are the most, like the most transformative people that you want on your team. But uh, anyway, is my only fear is of bees. And I know that seems so silly. It's just like, it's just a bee. And for years, my dad would say, oh, Amy, you just need to get stung. So you can get over your fear of bees. And it wasn't until I was, oh man, I don't even know, in my 30s. And I was camping in Breckenridge. And uh, it's like slow motion. I can still see it. It's like slow motion. I'm sitting there next to this creek, enjoying my camping trip. And this bee is flying like straight to my face in slow motion. (laughs) And that thing stung my eye. Like my eye, 
and like your I, eyeball yes like through <laughs> my <laughs> through my eyelid because apparently i'm sure i closed my eyes and it stung my eye and so to this day i always joke with my dad i'm like I still have a fear of bees. Thank you very little. Like you just thought I just had to get stung, but that was like the worst scenario. It stung my eye and it hurt like hell and I cried. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you have to be real careful because you have people like working through a fear is one thing, but something like the whole sink or swim method of like, just jump in the deep end of the pool and it'll be fine. That can be really, really traumatic, especially if yes. it's layering on top of another trauma and it's not the most helpful thing in the world. I think what you just told me made my head explode a little bit. And like that's the craziest, <laughs> craziest thing. I'm glad your eye is okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and here we are in the middle of the woods, right? Going, oh man, what do we do? So yes, thank you. But you know, you did make me think differently in this, in that, uh, even though I still do have this fear, uh, you know, I will sit outside and the moment I see a bee, that's it. Like I'm inside, no more hanging out outside, no more swimming. Like the bees are out, you know, that's how I think. But you made me just think about this a little differently and like the taking one step at a time and going next time going, no, you know what? I'm just going to calm myself down and we're just going to be literally be in the moment mm -hmm. and see kind of, you know, what happens. So instead of like in making that choice to be calm, instead of making the choice to uh, run inside. So anyway, I know it's, every fear is different. This is kind of a silly fear. However, <laughs> uh, I think it does illustrate something. So thank you for sharing your of story. Course. You made me think differently. And it's just about a darn bee. <laughs> I think too, like part of it is how we think about it. Because we, um, for me, since you brought bees up, I'll talk about this, even though it may be a little bit of a rabbit trail. We'll see where this, where this leads. But... <laughs> It's interesting, bees, especially over the last few years, have shown up very specifically like around me at times where something bigger than I am knows that I need a reminder to be present, mm -hmm. to, to, just, to just be. And so it's been at very specific times, it's crazy because they've shown up and I'm like, this makes perfect sense. And it wasn't that way, like through my whole life, certainly, but over the last few years. And, you know, I think that's a big part of it is the appreciation for some of the other messages that might come along with something that are hidden behind it, right? I, a lot of times on the other side of our greatest fears are the things that we will eventually love and enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. Like I, I love swimming. It's amazing how much I, I get out of that by being able to give myself to it. And I would not even have that in my life or have the opportunity without having pressed through my fears. And so a lot of times our fear is the fiery crucible we have to pass through to realize some of the greatest joys in our life. And once we're there, looking back and just appreciating and having that sense of, gosh, I'm so glad that I was that I that I had the willingness to move mm -hmm. through it. Now there's certain things that like to me, people. I don't know. There, there's certain fears that will stand in a person's way of fulfilling their purpose. And there's other things that are kind of ancillary. And it's like, 
fine. You know, if you're scared of skydiving, I don't necessarily think like you have to do that. Right. (laughs) There's a reason it's hard to get insurance if you're a skydiver. And so you have to kind of weigh that against, is this something that's impeding my progress or inhibiting my purpose? And if it's standing in the way, then yes, let's move through it. In my case, it wasn't so much that I thought at the time I need to swim. It was more just this is something in my life that does not belong according to my own standards. And that's why I felt compelled to move through it. I love that. You know, I say all the time, like it's a choice. Like we have so many choices throughout the day and happiness is a choice. And, uh, you know, you made a choice to enhance your happiness and not be fearful in those moments. While you were chatting, I looked up the meaning of a bee in your life when it comes to you. And it says, the bee comes into your life to set you free. The bee totem, which I don't know what that it means, but comes to remind you to enjoy what you could be missing. There we go. <laughs> full circle, baby. Full circle. I love that. So you thought it was going to be a rabbit <laughs> hole, but really it was not a rabbit hole. So I love it. All right. So let's talk about high performance people, because in a lot of cases, I think high performance people, well, one, they have a lot of drive and they maybe tend to, I hate this word, but I'm just going to use it because you'll get it. They maybe tend to be a little bit perfectionist. You know, they want the best of the best a lot, but a lot of times maybe our happiness is sacrificed as a result. So how can we be a high performance person, whether it be in our life or in our career, and also have all the happiness that we deserve? to come to us? Super great question. Um, I think because this is all predicated upon the assumption, right? We're talking to high performance people and that that's, those are just the people that I love working with. Uh, I really, really always have. And to your point, they can tend to be perfectionist type A. They can get a little bit neurotic slash a lot neurotic slash a lot neurotic squared. <laughs> And it can get really, really, really unhealthy. And I, I think part of the key is to dedicate as much time and energy and focus to making sure that you are feeding your mind and emotions and your spirit and you are training those things, right? We train our emotions. People always act like emotions happen to them. And it's like, nope, right? Like you brought that to the table. And so it's getting a handle on that and having a robust system in place for something like mental training and making sure that these components of our being are in alignment, being are in alignment. (laughs) When they are not, it's like having a kink in a hose, right? It doesn't matter how much pressure you put through that. You're not going to get the full-fledged like power that's available to you. And I think another piece I've been thinking about, and this actually popped to mind this morning, and so maybe this is the purpose for it, the difference between, because for my whole life, pretty much until very recently, I consider myself just very driven. It was a spark that started in childhood because I decided I'm either going to roll over and wet on myself or I'm going to move forward and use this as fuel to empower. And like, I'm either going to get out of this or I'm going to die right here, literally or metaphorically. And so that created a tremendous amount of drive, which I'm very, very, very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Drive will eventually burn you out though. Mm-hmm. It's just caustic in your engine. And so knowing that difference between something like drive and power, and they're 
two different things. Drive has a much lower kind of top end, if you will. It's much more limited. And it also, again, tends to be caustic. It burns you up. And if you can tap into your power, which is like what we were discussing, not just making about performance, 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 but having the alignment in your system, that's where things really, really kick into place. And a lot of you know, clients that I've worked with, there's this fear spoken or unspoken that if they lose their drive, they won't be able to perform anymore. Mm -hmm. And that very belief is the thing that keeps them hanging on to the old instead of being able to come out into the new, take hold of actually working from a place of power. And then that's just like rocket fuel for their performance, but it's clean burning and sustainable. Wow. Okay. So let's say I have too much drive, right? And, and you, uh, let's say we're working together and you see that and you're like, oh, she's going to burn out. She's got way too much drive. How do, how do we kind of step back from that? Good question. One thing I want to say real quick, I don't feel like a person can necessarily have too much drive. They just need to learn to channel it. And people can go their whole lives living off of drive, like it is doable. But if you're really, really trying to kick things way up, you're going to run into a ceiling, you're going to keep hitting that and you're going to exhaust yourself. And so one of the biggest things is just allowing people and life to happen, quite frankly, at a certain point, it's like life kicks somebody in the teeth enough times that they recognize, like, I have to change something. I have to change something. And that's the key. People change themselves. Like, I don't change my clients. Like, you don't need me to change you. I'm here to help you facilitate. You know, I'm here to help facilitate change if that's what you want in your life. And I can maybe provide a faster pathway or be a catalyst, somebody you can bounce things off of to get quicker, more more, um, powerful results. But I don't think a person can have too much drive necessarily. I just think there comes a point in somebody's personal evolution where they reach that breaking point. And I can see it coming. I can totally see it coming. And sometimes I'll allow it to break a little bit because I know they need that. There's nothing that I could say that would get through to them at the same level, just like raising children or something. There's certain things that people just have to experience. And if we rescue them because we want to help and like, you know, just the whole super, I don't know, politically correct thing of like, I just want to help everybody. It's like, you're not, you're not the world's savior. Right. Right. People have their own answers. People have the power with inside themselves. Mm. It's not something without. My job is to, when they're ready, to help them dig in and grab it and pull it out and just let it rip. Mm. And that's where you have really, really powerful breakthroughs. So I don't know if I really answered your question, but yeah. <laughs> I tried to. Well, sure. If you have too much drive, it's really about where you're going to channel the drive, right? And a lot of that, that kind of brought this to mind in my, as you were talking, you didn't say this exact thing, but this is kind of what I was thinking when you were saying it is we can take that drive and we can go a million different places with it. But if we can tie it back to like, what is meaningful to us and what is, has some purpose behind it. Now we can really accomplish some really cool stuff. Yes. Yes. And, and here's something that I would throw out there. 
I would love for people, if they're so inclined to reflect upon what is really truly driving my behavior, not what I've told myself this is about. Mm-hmm. What is it really about it? What What's beneath it? And sometimes people can, they're, they're self-aware enough to actually honestly answer that question and to land on it. But a lot of us is like, we need the help of other people, whether it's uh, peers or teammates or coaches or friends, people that love us, whatever, to help break through some of that. And when we really understand what's driving us, see, because in drive, it's, it's almost like a spectrum in terms of like very unhealthy fuel, driving our efforts, motivations, something like, for instance, anger is a really, really powerful driver. And you can use that. I've used that in sports and competition before. Like I have for sure used it. However, that's only on a quarter mile track because you cannot keep that fuel burning. It will, it will start to consume you. And when you understand what's driving your behavior and you value yourself and your family and the people around you that love you and care about you and are connected to you and depend on you, every time you upgrade what's driving your behavior or you move through those different phases and you get to a place where I'm actually rolling from power, it affects everybody, right? And we live in a world where we really, really need to sort of advance as a species as human beings. And what's so often focused on is like, we need to fix this issue or we need to fix that issue. Or like, this is really important. I'm like, freaking focus on yourself. Every time you upgrade where you're at and how you think and how you live and how you love and your sort of level of consciousness, if you will, that affects everybody. Mm on the subtle level. And so I think we can miss that. And like, I'm doing all these good things and it becomes about do, 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 do versus become more. You Mm. will do more, but become more to do more, not do more and just burn yourself out by doing more of the same and think, try harder, try harder, try harder. And trying to change things out there. It's fine to change things out in the world. It's not, but my Lord, if everybody would just stop and turn the lens inward because everything we see outside of us that we're like, yeah, that's a problem and whatever. It's like, you do that in your own life. And if you think you don't, and if you think you're not a hypocrite, you're not aware. I catch myself in this every day. I'm like, I was just thinking in my head and bagging on this other person over there for like that thing that they're doing. Oops. I just did something related to that doesn't look the same. So I could say, well, yeah, at least I didn't do this. But it's like, it's still in your heart, isn't it? And that's the problem. And Mm -hmm. so if we want to be part of the solution, let's just recognize that turning the lens inward and being willing to do that hard, deep work that almost nobody does can have a bigger impact than almost anything else. Wow. I absolutely love that. I'm going to flip the switch a little bit because I hear, I'm sure you hear this a lot yourself, where people will say something to the effect of, oh, I wish I had your drive. I wish I had your energy. I wish I had your focus, whatever, whatever, you know, insert in whatever that is. It's all kind of related to the same thing. So what if somebody, (laughs) like if they're listening and they're going, yeah, but he's got a ton of drive or she has a ton of drive, like good for them. 
I don't have that drive. Like, how can people find that within themselves in order to perform better or in order to up-level whatever situation that they, they want to up-level? The first thing that came to mind was find a cause that haunts you. I don't know why that came to mind, but like, seriously, I just don't have that kind of drive. Um, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know what to tell you. And this is part of the reason I've not typically and that's being generous, enjoyed working with the general public, right? I want people with batteries included and people that take responsibility for their own drive. I'm Nobody else is responsible for motivating me than me. I'm responsible for the motivation. I'm responsible for inspiring myself. I'm responsible for putting those pieces in place. Drive is something that it can be triggered, yes, by events and things in your life and things that you see that like, oh my gosh, I've got, I've got to do something about this. But it's really about the meaning you make out of the event and what you decide to do with it. That's why you can take people in the identical same situation, have completely different outcomes and take different things away from it by the way they internalize and process the information. So I think a lot of it is just recognizing and taking your power back and taking responsibility for your own drive and stop telling yourself over and over and over. I just don't have that. I have had people tell me that a lot. Like, not everybody has your energy, Brian. Mm. Great. Do you want to come follow me for a day and see what I do to make sure I have that kind of energy? Because <laughs> it's a practice. Right. I don't wake up like this. If I oversleep, it causes issues. I have to, I have to be very much a good planner to make sure those things happen. And this is what all great performers do across the world. They take responsibility. They stop letting themselves off the hook with their own stories about why they can't and how somebody else did them wrong. And therefore, it's like, no, why isn't it that person did that and it created this in my life? Therefore, I'm going to win or I'm going to help other people in that same situation. I have found a cause that haunts me and I'm going to be able to empower other people to walk through that situation much better than I was equipped to. There are so many ways to do it. It comes down to your level of willingness and your level of honesty with yourself. And um, I don't know, that's how, that's my take on it. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the people who say life happens versus saying life is happening. And I use that a lot. I wish I came up with it, but I did not. I got it from some mentors of mine, Michael and Amy Port. And anyway, they said this one time and it like flipped this switch to me. And I, th I think it's so brilliant. Like you could say like life happens, right? Like shit happens, life happens. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like dismiss it. Well, shit happens. Well, life happens, you know, or you can say life is happening and how we <laughs> respond to that is our choice. Right. Like newsflash. Yeah. <laughs> life is happening today, right just now. like it was yesterday <laughs> and the day before that. <clears throat> and so it's just don't sit on sit at the end of a conveyor belt that's bring and just sit there and like life is bringing me whatever it brings me and you're happy if it brings you something that you think is important but you're not if it brings you something that you think is bad and it's like nope and again this conversation is really only for people that want and are committed to taking things to the next level because other people it's going to turn off i love people like crazy I, I really, really do. I've got 
that huge side to me. But I also put a lot of people off because I'm just like, I will not, I will not work with people that will like put up with their own stuff. Right. You, it, once you're fed up with whatever's happening, like come talk to me. It's not my job to drag you over the finish line. Right. And um, life is happening. Yep. Life is <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. So in, enjoy it. Enjoy it and make it, make whatever comes to you and whatever's coming up something that is going to drive you, that's going to influence you, that's going to add power and fuel to your system and, and use it. And I know that sounds uh, a bit, maybe, what do you call that? A platitude, but we're speaking in generalities right now because it's not like we're online, you know, directly coaching an individual person. It's very difficult to give really, really specific targeted advice and use these, use these little tools because it lacks context. And so I would just encourage people, if you find something that rings true with you, you might only, maybe you just heard one thing that you think, well, I didn't agree with the rest of it, but like that, that kind of made sense. Good, connect with it and stay on that like a dog on a bone, write it down, keep it in front of you, Mm -hmm. just flesh that out until you start to see things show up in your life to help you toward that end. Take the one thing, sometimes people like all this bad stuff is happening. I'm like, dude, like you live in a great country. If you're in abject poverty, you're living like a king and you can't find something to freaking appreciate, come on, hold on to that because it, everything you focus on starts to build and gain momentum. And so that's one of the biggest pieces is like, what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? Because there's so much coming at all of us that we have to be manning the helm. We can't be sitting back and like the waves are coming at me. It's like, yeah, step up and grab a hold of it. And let's navigate through this intelligently. And if you need help, and you're too proud to ask, you're going to capsize. But when you get to the point where you're willing to ask for help or guidance, and that's not a shameful thing, right? We all need that. Anybody who doesn't need help needs the most help, right? The people that are super like, I've got it all together. Like, I don't have it all together. I'm amazed every day. It's like every day I find out more stuff. I'm like, that's humbling. Ouch. A hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. I think I've found in the past when people will just come out without asking me or without me asking, they'll say, oh, Amy, I'm like the most positive person. And I'm like, well, if you have to like announce that you're this, like the most positive person, then you probably have a lot of like internal work to do. And, uh, (laughs) and I found that to be true. And I love what you say, and I'm going to take it one step further here. When you say, I want to work with people with, (laughs) with batteries included. I love that. And I would say in life, and when we talk about our own happiness, let's surround ourselves with people with batteries included. Not to say that uh, there's that people shouldn't like work on certain things and that you only surround yourself with like perfect people. That is, it takes all kinds to make the world go around. Not saying that. But uh, when we up-level our lives, when we up-level the people that we surround ourselves with, when we up-level our community, all that stuff, then happiness exponentially increases. Amen to that. If, if you primarily are surrounded by people that you feel comfortable with, you should be terrified. I, 
on purpose surround myself with people that at times make me so uncomfortable, I start to freak out a little bit. And I'm like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Why, why did they even let me come over and talk to them? They make me so uncomfortable because of what they're doing. But what that does is it stretches us so much if you have the right perspective, because some people are like, well, now I'm just discouraged because now I saw what they're doing and I could never do that. And it's like, that's a perspective problem. It's if that person can do all of that, what have I been doing just stuck here? Right. I can take the next step. I, I don't need, I'm not trying to become somebody else, but I'm trying to surround myself with people that inspire me and make me uncomfortable, but in a good way to where I can't stay where I am. Like I, I can't, not because they're pressuring me. I just can't. I've seen too much. And that's really frightening for a lot of us because we, we know either consciously or subconsciously, if I see something like that, then I'm going to have to become and do more. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Hundo. It reminds me of I when I was in Denver and we were unknown to each other. It sounds like we were neighbors and didn't even know it. So that's crazy. But anyway, when I was in Denver, I had an event planning company. And one of my favorite events that I planned was called the Franchise Unconference. And it's this brilliant event out in Park City, Utah. Just giving some context here, but the attendees at that that event was like insane. They are all franchisor owners, people who have started franchises and you know built them up to be hundreds of locations or millions and millions of dollars. So very successful in whatever way you want to say that. I don't mean just financially, but they seem to really and just a good group of people. And the way that the event was set up, it's almost like, forget the success, forget the financial success for a moment. Internally, these are such good people because they are surrounded by other competitors and they are giving out their secrets on how they grew their business and all the things that work. Okay, so if you're in that room, Holy moly, you've got some really great people, some fantastic minds. And I just remember one moment there when when you were talking, it brought me to this one specific moment. We were in the hotel and it was kind of like happy hour, if you will, before everybody was going to go out before dinner that evening. And I felt so intimidated because I'm looking around. Yes, I was the event planner. But so I had a purpose for being there, but I'm looking around going, I should not be here right now. Like, I don't I haven't, know. Why haven't they kicked me out yet? Right. <laughs> yeah. it weird. Right. But that event, after planning that event for years, I, I still hold on to that event and I still go back to those moments because they inspired me. And even though I, I sold the event planning company, I don't have it anymore. Years later, like we're talking almost 10 years later, I still feel like that event drives me personally to do great things because of the people that were in that room. Yes. Never underestimate the power of putting yourself in kind of an uncomfortable position and place. It's amazing. It's amazing what it can do. And that's one of the things like for me, I've really tried to, it's not easy. And sometimes I balk at it and I don't do it, but by and large, I have made it a, a practice to, position myself and to put myself in situations that make me uncomfortable that I'm freaked out by that if I think too much about it, I know I'm not going to do it. So I just like 
I don't think too much about it. You know, if it feels like the right thing, and I mean at an intuitive level, because all your emotions and your adrenaline is going to be saying like, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. But if there's a little spark or something in your spirit that is just like pulling you a little bit, do it, right? Do something, move, don't sit there because I mean, it's so cliche, but like, seriously, if you get to the end of it all, and then you're just thinking about, huh, because we all end up with presumably, you know, if you live to a ripe old age, plenty of time to com- contemplate. And you can only shove things down so far before you're sitting there one day and you're like, wonder what would have happened if I had yes. done this, if I had done this, if I had done this. We're, we're so protective of, oh, I don't want to do anything that's going to, that's going to, you know, cause harm or, or do something bad or threaten my, you know, security or whatever. It's like, at the end of your life, those aren't going to be the decisions you're super proud of, probably. I'm not talking about being irresponsible. I'm just talking about those moments when you know you're bailing out, that there's a part of you that knows you're bailing when you probably should have moved forward, but your brain can justify and give you all these reasons. Ah, it probably wasn't a good idea. That's what we're talking about. So like finding that discernment and that will to move forward just move forward. I think it's like Meet the Robinsons or something. It's a Disney or a Pixar movie, but it's amazing. And that's one of the things that kid is an animated film, obviously learns is like, just keep moving forward Mm -hmm. and stop acting as though failure makes you a failure. The people who experience the most failure in their lives are the people that that we consider to be successes, but we live our lives the opposite way. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm protecting myself from failure. I'm protecting myself where the successful people are running to it. That's They're right. running to it. They're trying to fail fast. They're trying to fail fast and often, fast and often, fast and often. But I'm protecting myself, whether my pride, my ego, the vanity of it, not realizing that that'll be the very thing that makes me a failure because I have the least amount of failure. Yes. Well, this is really interesting because you're touching on regrets a little bit and having those life regrets. And when I wrote my first book, shortly after, we had a whole group, a whole community, I'll just say it that way. And where I asked like two questions, like, what do you fear most in life? And then the opposite of that, right? Like, what do you love most about life? Okay, so in that, what do you fear most about life? Hands down, hands down, the number one fear is not just death, but in some form or fashion, they were saying dying with regrets, right? They would mm-hmm. answer it in, in full sentences and give me very specific. But when I was able to group all of those answers together, mm. overwhelmingly, it's dying with regrets. And so, you know, I think that that sometimes we don't want to think about our death, but I think we need to in order to live a very uh, abundant, happy life. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be morbid or morose or anything like that, but it's just, (laughs) if you, if you look at death, the correct way in my, in, in my opinion, if you look at it the correct way, it's actually, it's actually very empowering. No, it's the end. It's all over. And I like, nope. Again, that's a perspective issue in, in my opinion, and I do not know everything, but death can be so powerful. And we spend all this time, like trying to avoid it. And, and why, if we really will just take a glance, have the right perspective on it, get with somebody that has a perspective that you find empowering. If, if you need a little bit of help in that regard, 
leaving this current existence and looking back and knowing I had so much more in me. Mm. That like that's the, that's the biggest biggest piece. But where the rubber meets the road is not because we can talk about our biggest fears being dying with regrets. However, we let these little bitty day-to-day fears Mm. actually become more important than that one that we say was so important. And that comes back to like being brutally honest, not self-flagellating. I'm just saying being like bottom line truth with ourselves because the truth will come out eventually. It doesn't matter. Like the truth does come out absolutely in one way, shape or form. And so it's like, let's just get out ahead of it. Let's lay all the cards on the table. Let's know <laughs> what's happening and create an actual game plan from there and stop letting these daily fears and these little piddly things stop us from realizing the most amazing life that we would have so that we, when we pass into whatever happens afterward, right? But we could look back and say, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but that was pretty good. Right. <laughs> that was pretty good. Like what is more fulfilling possibly than that? Uh, me thinks not a whole lot of other stuff. Yep. I totally agree. One of the things that my mom said on her deathbed was I am not afraid to die. And mm. I just always thought that that was so powerful and became mm. really the premise of mm. a lot of my speeches in my book. But I, I just think, wow, if we, if only we could all be so lucky to be on our deathbed and say, I'm not afraid to die, you know? So there's a lot that goes into that. You know, that leads me to my final question, which is- a All right, let's question. hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> excited. I'm going to stretch here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> stretch, drink that water and get, uh, get ready. If you had, if you only had seven more days left to live, what would you do? Well, hopefully exactly what I'm doing right now. I, I don't, right? Like that's, that's the answer. If yep. there's, if there's radical changes that need to be made, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> so I, let's get after story. it. I don't you know. That's it. just, that's just what Felton came up, came up for me. So I don't, love it. you know, like, no, there's not, not much. Nope. Yep. I love that. And then the second part of this question is if you only had seven days left to live, but you were in a debilitated state, so you couldn't walk, couldn't feed yourself. You essentially just laying in a hospital bed to die. Mm-hmm. So really the only thing left was your wisdom. What is the last bit of advice that you want to give to the world? Wake up, just wake up. I mean, that's, you know, what's the purpose of life? Actually waking up to the reality that most people don't wake up to and Yeah, the bigger, the larger reality is so much more powerful and compelling and joy-filled and loving than we can possibly imagine. And I think like, what else could be more important than that? You know, especially if you have, if you have a kid and they're in the middle of having a night terror, you want to, you want them to wake up. You know what I mean? And sometimes when we have experiences in our lives that we think are so devastating and terrible and tragic and whatever, and they, they can be all of those things. But sometimes those are the things that prompt us to wake up. Do you want to wake up when you're having the best dream you've ever had? Nope. Nope. It's always when the crap hits the fan and you're like, I need to wake up. That's when you do. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so if you have your batteries included and uh, you would, <laughs> someone wants to work with you, where can we find you? Sure, just go to bergfordperformance.com. Uh, Bergford is spelled like 
Iceberg and Ford, the car company. So just think of it that way. So BergfordPerformance.com. And they're going to want to make sure that they either just reach out directly or but for sure join my email list because that's how they get access to the Berkford Performance Systems app, which has a ton of content in there, loaded courses and things on mental training that's free and available. And that's how I stay in contact with people uh, much more so than something like social media. So that's how to do yes. it. Awesome. I love it. I'll probably be signing up myself. I'm going to end the show with a quote from you that you said during the show, even though I started with a quote from you, (laughs) uh, which is become more so you can do more. And wow, Brian, thank you so much for unlocking happiness with us today. Your energy, everything that you do is so awesome. Thanks for being a light in this world. And um, maybe we'll have you back on the show. We can dive into some more topics. I would absolutely love to. Thank you. It's been delightful. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag unlocking happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.